one of the one of the advantages of being old is that I've I've seen giants walk our land. You just listen to Keith Green, who's a giant. He 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 came on the music scene uh, early on in my Christian walk and captured me. Uh, I would walk around job sites, I say this all the time, with, with, with my nail bags on, hammer, all my stuff, but I had my Walkman. Now, for those of you under 30, ask your parents. Uh, but it ended up with earphones on my head, uh, listening to Keith Green, and working, sweating, digging, hammering, maybe at times with tears running down my, my eyes as a new Christian, hearing the power of his music. He changed Christian music in our country in 10 years. He started when he was 18, 19 years old. He died at 28 in a plane crash with two of his daughters. The power of his music, I encourage you to look at it. The song, we chose that song for a reason. The title of that song is Make My Life a Prayer. And that's really what we've been talking about. This is now the fifth week of talking about making our lives a prayer to God, being so transformed that our communication with God is complete in the way we talk, what we see, what we do. That's, that's making our lives a prayer. This week, we're, we're going into the, the next step uh, of prayer. We're going to talk about praying for others. But let's review some of the basics that we're involved with with prayer. Uh, looked at this verse last week, and this is the command for us. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Uh, ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf. And, and give thanks for them. Pray for kings and those in authority. But also, this is good. This prayer is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Pray for people. And, and how do we pray? The confidence is we have before him. If we ask anything, and here's the phrase we lived with last week, according to his will, he hears us. And we know if he hears us in whatever we ask, that we have those requests. The confidence, ask anything according to his will. Spent a lot of time on that last week. And we're going to continue that concept of, of understanding what God's will is. Because this week, we're going to take the next step. And we're going to say, when I pray for people and you pray for me, what's God's will in my life? Specifically, what's God's will in your life, in the circumstances, in the situations that you're going through right now? How can we pray for each other according to God's will, knowing what God would want us to pray for? That's where we're going. That's kind of the introduction for today. It is our desire to connect and to support other people in prayer. So that's, that's part of this whole series, to be able to highlight that inside of our lives. Uh, and this is appropriate. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're God. And honestly, I thank you that we're not that you have a plan, a purpose that's so much greater than ours. So let us just humble our hearts, speak to you, and listen to you that we might know your perfect will in each situation. We thank you that you'll do that because we ask in Christ's name. Amen. The, the idea of prayer, and, and again, I wanted to get the definitions certainly in front of us again, is prayer is, is humbly addressing God is coming before him, actually submitting to him out of our heart, out of our mind, out of our actions in love. 
We, we address God humbly with adoration, confession, supplication, and thanksgiving. But again, and, and Travis in the video that we just watched stressed this huge part. If we're not, that we'll, if we're not careful, we'll miss. It's a two-way communication. The way he said it is if we don't listen, well, we're not going to learn. You see, God is open and willing to communicate, to transmit to us, to be able to, as we pray for other people in this, to actually tell us what his will is, what his specific will in a person's life is. Um, you know, this is, this is our main verse for today. You know, and I'm, I'm going to show a video that I, I found Wednesday. Wednesday was 4th of July. I, I, this is not a complaint, it's just the truth. I rarely get, a, get time where I have time. And so I was free Wednesday. My wife and I had the whole day together, and she was ready to go back to work after a day with me. But other than that, uh, but I got the freedom to roam the Internet with impunity. And so I knew we were going to be doing prayer, so I, I typed in answered prayer. And just a bunch of stuff came up, a lot of it not worth even looking at, and you just discard right away. But there was a, a clip from CBN, that, and I often use CBN as my news source. So as I was doing that, I, I got focused in on it, and I, I listened to the whole thing. And God answered a prayer. And this, this lady tells her story uh, about her daughter. And, but God answered the prayer his way, not anyone else's way. So we're going to take a look at the video clip and, and see how God moved in this particular prayer. Well, let's talk about Annabelle, your daughter who's featured in the movie. She's 13 now. She grew up with two, not one, but two incurable diseases um, that took her in and out of the ER for like several years. What was going on? So Annabelle, when she was four, started having what we call tummy troubles. And when she was five, she fully obstructed abdominally. And then we just lived in and out of um, hospitals, doctors, offices. We got into the guru of pediatric gastroenterology in um, Boston, and we would fly to Boston every four to six weeks for treatments. She lived on the sofa in um, the fetal position with a heating pad on her stomach. Could she eat anything normally? Like mm. eat nothing? Very really. little. Some days my prayer was just let Annabelle eat a plate of food throughout the whole day. Let that be wow. um, her success. It, it, she struggled. Well, one day your daughter was home and she was actually feeling pretty good this day and she was out playing with her two sisters and you were just happy that she was out playing and then something awful happened. What happened? Well, um, they were climbing trees, which is their favorite thing to do on our property, and they ended up climbing 30 feet in the air and they were sitting on a branch 30 feet in the air. Um, there was a hole in the other side of the tree where a branch had previously been that had fallen and um, Annabelle sought refuge in that hole, not thinking that it was anything but a little sh bit shallow, but it actually was the entryway to the bottom of the tree, and Annabelle fell head first, and she oh fell gosh. 30 feet and was entombed in the base of this hollowed cotton cottonwood tree on our property. So she was in that hole for five hours, mm -hmm. and, of course, you, they, they had to come and rescue her and get her out. You took her to the hospital. What did the doctor say? Well, they prepared me. They said that they've never had anybody fall 30 feet and not suffer paralysis or broken bones. Mm -hmm. But they ran one test after another after another. And Annabelle walked away with bruises and scratches and a minor concussion. But she was totally <laughs> fine. Well, what did what did Annabelle say happened to her when she was in the in the hollow of that tree? Well, later, Annabelle shared with me 
she just turned to me and she said, you know, mommy, I went to heaven when I was in that tree. And did you believe her? I said, really? And, and really, my first thought was, how hard did you hit your head, baby? You know, like, really? Right. But then um, the things she began to share and the things she began to say as a nine-year-old little girl, I knew. I knew what she said she lived. She said that she actually saw some people. She did. Like a, her, a grandmother? Yes. Or? Kevin's grandmother, Mimi. Yeah. And um, I had had two miscarriages and one was an actual viable pregnancy. And she said that she saw a little girl who looked just exactly like me and Abby, my, our oldest daughter. And she said that God said, Annabelle, that's your sister. That's incredible. Now, there has been some controversy about these visions or from heaven accounts. What do you say to people who may doubt the authenticity of her story? No, I reply to that with Annabelle's answer, which is I don't say anything to those people because mm -hmm. Annabelle lived it and the proof is in Annabelle's life now. Annabelle is so healthy and so bright and she's living a full, complete life. There is no denying the undeniable. Well, what's incredible about this story and really the other twist is that that fall, that seemingly horrific fall, ended up being a great blessing. Uh, how? because God used this dead, hollowed out, dying cottonwood tree to heal Annabelle from her two incurable digestive disorders. How do you hit your head, die, go to heaven, come back and you're, and you're cured after four years of this, these incredible, incurable illnesses? It's, it, <laughs> no one can explain it. It just was part of God's plan. I feel like God used that tree to make a way and he healed Annabelle. You know, our prayer was, and so many prayed for Annabelle's healing, and that was that was how he reached her. That was his vessel. Yeah, and of course, in the in the movie trailers, they they do such a great job of having the doctors just say, you know, we can't explain this, and yes. this must be a miracle. Here's the way that worked: the parents knew they had to pray in accordance with God's will, so they gathered together and held hands, and they said, God. Let Annabelle fall down 30 feet in, on her head inside of a tree and, and then take her to heaven, then bring her back, then have her taken out of the tree, and then have her healed. That was their, they prayed specifically for God's will. Not. They're clueless. They prayed for Annabelle. Her church prayed for Annabelle out on prayer request all over that she be healed from her tummy troubles. They just walked in faith in their prayers. They, didn't, they, they just knew that, that they were to pray for her, and, and it was up to God to do what God was going to do. They wanted to let God be God in this circumstance, so they put their prayers out. You know, uh, I'm looking forward, by the way, to seeing the movie. You know, not only just her story, but so many people, and I... I, I, I don't understand this. We have such an age of communication. But the ability to communicate, to talk to people that I personally know that have had an experience, a, a death experience that's taken them to heaven and they come back and they describe the story that they lived. And, and I, I say this, and I, I think over the, uh, the times that I've been looking at this and actually talking to people, I think the number, and I didn't write them down, I was just, wow, Really? It was like 20 to 30 people personally that I've met that I've looked in the eyes that have told those stories that have taken place. You know, so 
uh, the incident that took place was, was God doing God's stuff, doing it according to his will. He did what he wanted to do, how he wanted to do it, when he wanted to do it. This, is, this shouldn't surprise us because God is God. Last check, he's in charge. And, and we won't always understand what he's doing. We talked last week about uh, God being sovereign ruler of all. The Lord, the Lord made the heavens his throne, and from there he rules over everything. Everything. In, in the context of healing, relationships, uh, all of these things, he rules over everything. And the mind of man, we can plan our ways, but God's going to direct our steps. You know, we'll talk about some surprising directions that, that he'll take our steps. When, when we follow him, there's a certain path that we'll take. Uh, but sometimes when we're rebellious against God, he's still, we talked about this last week, still directing our steps. You know, the real question for today as we pray about in God's will, how do we know what it is? We're commanded to pray. How do we know what his will is? Again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about some basics of praying for other people and just something that we should have in mind. First off, when we, when we enter into prayer, period, but specifically when we start praying for other people, we're, we're stepping onto a spiritual battleground. For those who, who understand the Bible and the presentation is that there are spiritual forces at work inside of our world. There's forces of God and goodness uh, working, but he also allows Satan, a forces of evil, to move inside of our world. So when we struggle in prayer for someone, when we struggle in our lives, we really stepped onto a spiritual battle. And, and what we're struggling against is not flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers of this dark world, against evil spirits. In the heavenly places. So we're told that when we walk out into this environment, we're walking out into a combat zone. There's good forces and there's bad forces. Then, again, emphasizing the importance to know God's will. But as he goes on, in this he says, Therefore, because we're in a spiritual war, put on the full armor of God. Now, most of the full armor of God, of those of us who are familiar with it, it, it describes actually a Roman soldier, but it, uh, it could be anywhere. But it, he puts on a breastplate of righteousness, a helmet of salvation, shoes of, of the gospel, and all these other personal uh, things that he puts on himself. He has a shield of faith to, to, to snuff out the fiery darts of the enemy. These are, these are all defensive uh, weapons or the protection that he has. But God gives you and I, every Christian, two offensive weapons. He gives us one, the word of God. It's the sword of the spirit. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness in a spiritual battle uh, with Satan, he used scripture. He used the sword of the spirit to push him back. I do this all the time in any kind of a, a counseling or life environment in my own personal life. Whenever I'm being attacked in a specific area, I learn a scripture that actually deals with that. I encourage people to do that all the time. Put some bullets in your gun. So when Satan's shooting at you, you've got something to shoot back with. So the first thing is the Word of God, sword of the Spirit. But the second one, the second offensive weapon is prayer. 
And that's, this, this goes on. Stay alert, persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So one of the offensive weapons where we can push the powers of darkness back, where we can have an impact on the spiritual kingdom that's all the way around us, is our prayers. I don't understand what I just said. Those of you who know me, that's not any kind of surprise. I've been clueless for years. And that's why, again, we're having this series, because I really don't understand. But I know it's true, because God says it. And he goes on to tell us that the effective prayer of a righteous person, it can do a lot. So as we pray and conduct our lives according to what God wants us to do, there'll be great, it says, wonderful results that will take place inside of our lives. So what, is that, what does that look like uh, we have to know first already what God is doing in the lives of other people when we pray. We should know what God's doing so we actually come alongside of him, his will, his desire, his plans for him. We actually understand what he's doing. And so uh, next week, by the way, this whole message is praying with thanksgiving and with thanks, uh, being thankful. These are a couple of things that we just need to know. When we come into the presence of our God, he gives blessings beyond blessings to us. All other religions of the world are about earning God's blessing. Christianity is about recognizing what he's already given us, unpacking it, making it real inside of our lives. You know, Ephesians, one of my, one of my favorite books, I just, just got captured by this letter and, and read it a couple times last week. All praise to God. All, you know, uh, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed you and me, all of us Christians, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We have a full deck. I don't act like I got a full deck sometimes. But we have a spiritual, we have a full deck. The Holy Spirit, the power of God, the wisdom of God, the understanding of God lives in us. He, he puts that in up front. We spend the rest of our lives unpacking it, using it. But, it, but what it does is it stops us, and, and we have to understand, when we're praying for patience, the shortage is not on God's side. He gave it to us. So all of that, he says, give me more joy, give me more he, You know, he doesn't send a note, done. But it's the truth. And the second verse goes on and also talks about what God does. Even before the foundation of the world, even before anything was created, he knew each person. He knew each person here. He knew me. He knew me in my sinful life when I was running gun. He knew what was going to take place. And yet he wanted to adopt me and you and every human being into his family. You see, this is his plan. This is the meta-narrative of this world. That's why it was created. That's why it was put in place. And as, he has the, and as he has these desires for us and he gives them to us up front, he says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans for welfare, not for calamity. He, doesn't, he, he wants us to have the, a future and a hope. So God is constantly moving to do things for us. God is doing that. Jesus is also moving also. You know, my, Jesus is my, my father is always working, but so am I. God, God and Jesus Christ are, are moving on our benefit. One of the verses that's one of my favorite ones that comes out of uh, Chronicles, it says, the eyes of the Lord search to and fro 
throughout the whole earth to strongly, to strongly support those whose hearts are completely his. If this, if this qualification is us, God is moving right now looking for you at, at hearts here that are fully committed so he can strongly support us in what we're doing, what he can bring about in our lives, our relationships, and everything that is always there. He's working for good. Why? Well, because he's good. Because God is good, he does good. Because God is holy, he does what is right. Because God is wise, he does it in the right way. Because he's just, he does it at the right time. You see, our God is on the move doing these things. Don't be misled, brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect, it comes down to us from, the, from God the Father who created all the lights. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He doesn't change. What this means is he's always moving for good. He doesn't change. So when we pray for ourselves or for other people, there's a little phrase we should humbly get a hold of. It's, thy will be done. I can't imagine Annabelle's parents saying, nope, I'm not taking that healing. Take it back. Thy will be done. That's where we go. That's the foundation that we stand on as, as we stop, start to move out into prayer. But as we pray, pray again for God's will. Stand in front of God and get his heart. We'll talk about this more as we go along, for, as we pray for other people. You know, last week we, we talked about some things that, is, that are always God's will. There's no doubt, no question God's will is for everyone, every human being ever born or ever will be born to come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved. And he goes on. So the first thing is want all to be saved. The second thing is he all wants us to grow into the image of Christ, to take off our old life and put on our new life. And then in the last part of that, the next thing he says, one of the verses is just very clear. God's will is our sanctification to be sanctified. We, should, we are to be holy. And the last thing is God wants, and when we pray for other people, he always wants us and them to serve other people. One of, one of the, the common prayers that, we, that, that I personally have, uh, as far as the church is concerned, is praying that each person knows how important they are. Each Christian knows how important they are to the kingdom of God. The gifts, the talents, and the abilities that are in them are given to them to serve other people. That's, that's God's prayer for, and desire for everyone. Okay, that's God's will. Be saved. Grow into the image of Christ. Be holy in all that we do and serve other people. Okay, now, here's where it goes weird. When, what, how, and why should we pray for other people? How should we pray? I'm going to start with an example. It's a difficult one because actually there's some people here that are living this out. Uh, we have a neighbor, a friend, a relative, a husband, a wife, and, and the diagnosis is, is stage four cancer. 
the, the doctors, the medical, they've, they've gone through the tests that they're going to go through. They've gone through the treatment that they're going to go through. They're at stage four. They're right at the, at the end. And the doctor's recommending hospice, comfort care till the end as they get closer. We know them. We're, we're asked to pray for them. Because we care, we engage in prayer even before being asked. So, so we start to pray. Uh, how do we pray in that situation? There's some obvious responses, but let's think. How did they get in that situation? I'm not saying God ordained it. God allowed it. God could have stopped it at any stage along the progression. He could have stopped them getting cancer at all. No, God made the heavens uh, his throne. He rules over everything. We plan our ways, but, but God does direct our steps even to cancer, even to death of a child, even to violence in our world, even to he allows, he doesn't ordain, and, and when we look at it, someone that's at the fourth stage cancer at the end of their life, we look at a marriage that's coming apart, we look at kids in rebellion, we look at all those things that are out there and we go, that's wrong. Well, we don't understand. And, and often we don't know how to pray. But, oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. Who, who can know uh, the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? Who knows enough to give him advice? Now, what, what we're hearing is that when things are happening in our world, know that God's still God. He's allowing, ordaining, or whatever. But we also need to know that he will use it for his good purposes. And we won't understand. One of the biggest challenges we have in prayer request is not to be, that we have to be careful not to become God's advisors and directors. Well, this is what you should do. This is easy. Come on, handle it. Without thinking it through, without hearing from God, without getting God's response in that situation. So the whole concept of prayer, we've stressed as we've gone along, listening listening to God. Don't just take a situation and go, here's my wisdom. Because in all probability, we'll be wrong. Stop, listen, meditate, and seek God in each of these things. Because like this, this stage four, God allowed it to progress to that point. He didn't cause it, but he allowed it. He's there. And unless he tells us in a clear vision, a dream, a voice that's so clear that we know it's him speaking to us about what he wants, or he writes it in the carpet of the burns it, we really don't know. And so we're going to do something that uh, I've talked about before in here, but it was a teaching that I picked up uh, probably 35 years ago. 
And in this teaching, it talks about how to respond to illness, how to respond to pain, how to respond to sickness. All these things is relational or whatever else that goes on inside of it. And so we're going to approach this, start out approaching this, this stage four cancer. How do we pray for it? Well, we don't know what God wants. We don't. Now, my natural response, and this is, so don't think that I'm a cruel-hearted guy that just writes people off. My normal response is, is to pray for healing. Why would I not? But I always do it and explain to the people, I, you know, I don't know what God's plan is for you. I'm going to pray for healing. But I don't know. Now, here's just a side note. So many Christians rush into the room and pray for healing with boldness, claiming, demanding that God heal this person. How many, it does two things that are really disastrous. Number one, if, if that's not God's will for this person and that person dies, that person will not stop and deal with the reality of death. And death is a reality we all need to deal with. Oh, I'm going to be healed. I don't have to ask God for forgiveness. I don't have to turn my life around. I don't have to change anything. I'm off the hook. Get me, thanks, God, for getting me out of this one. And, and that's just, uh, that's our decision. But the second thing that's happened, and how many, and I won't ask for a show of hands, but so many times we're involved in a situation like that. Observe a loved one come to the point of death. Someone come in and says, they're going to be healed. And we get all pumped up. We're all excited. And then they die. Well, <laughs> how good is God? And how many people are bitter and know people that are bitter against God because they lost a loved one? Careful how you pray. Careful how you pray because as, as you go forward that the truth is that death is something we're all going to face and and and, and there's a, it can go either way some sicknesses accidents and things inside of our life are meant to designed to and are there to cause death sooner or later everyone here is going to face that I always love, I ask the question of memorial services or make the announcement of memorial services. The death rate is still 100%. There's going to be a time when all of us are going to die. God turns and tells us this, uh, that I trust my life to bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. This is the prayer of a Christian. For me, uh, living means living for Christ, but dying is a lot better. You know, quite honestly, if, if, if it's a Christian that's dying that knows God, I mean, we want to stay and work and serve, but when my work is done here, cash me in. You know, I don't want to hang around and drool for a living. Take me home. Uh and the truth is, each person is destined to die, and then comes judgment. There's a time to die, just as there's a time to be born. We don't control that. God does. He knows when it will be, how it will be, and he will do that in what's best for us and those around us. It may be ugly in the process, but God's still God. So when we pray for people, one of the, one of the things that we would want to have in our mind 
and to be careful what we pray for and, and particularly pronounce over other people, this might be the time to die. And I tell people that. It may be God's will to take you home. I say that with great love and compassion, as good as a Marine can say it. But I also ask them the question, and this is the question, are you ready? And that starts a discussion that may change an eternal destination. Are you ready? So my prayer is, God, use me however you want to in this situation. My prayer for them is, honestly, I don't know. I can pray for healing, but it's thy will be done. Are you ready if that's not God's plan? You ready to go home? So when we pray in, in these desperate situations like that, trust God to be able to do it. You know, tell them about Jesus. It, he's, that's always God's will for them. We've said this verse several times. Who wants all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth? Now, that's the first one. The second one gets a, gets a little murky and kind of unpleasant. Some sicknesses, some pain, and this is physical sickness, emotional sickness, relational sickness and pain, and all kinds of pain. Financial pain is thrown in there too. All of them, the sickness pain is discipline. God has allowed, ordained, and brought that into their life to spank them. To say, stop that. Stop eating that way. Stop thinking that way. Stop treating your wife, your kids, your parents that way. Stop it. For me, and it just initially, it was, it was pain and just knowing that I was in the wrong place that brought me to Christ. But it was certainly pain in my marriage that, that transformed my marriage. I got spanked enough where I got tired of going to the woodshed. And God is faithful to do that to us, by the way. So when we start praying for people in these situations, one of the reasonable questions when you pray for someone else and when you and I pray for ourselves, God, is this discipline? Are you correcting me and changing me? You know, uh, this is uh, an example of Isaiah. I found this verse, by the way. It wasn't in my Bible for the last 40 years. It just popped in there this week. It was, a, it was, a, it was an addendum. It was, an, it was, a, it was a, you, know, you know how your computer updates? My Bible updates from time to time. And, and this comes out of Isaiah. This is the prophet Isaiah, one of my personal heroes. He says, what can I say? For he himself sent this sickness. Isaiah is sick. God himself sends it. Now I will walk humbly throughout my years because of this anguish. I have felt, uh, Lord, your discipline is good. It leads me to life and health. You restore my health and allow me to live. Yes, this anguish was good for me. For you have rescued me from death and the forgiveness of my sins. He, Isaiah is saying, thanks for the spanking. And, and the other one, a psalm uh, that comes out of Psalms uh, 119. My suffering was good for me. It taught me how to pay attention to God's decrees. It's a good thing to be spanked by God. It's a blessing. So when we pray for people who are in this land back and forth, and please, when we pray, we want to pray in God's will for ourselves also. God, is this self-inflicted? 
Is it the way I'm living? Is it the way I'm treating my mate? Is it the way I'm treating my kids? Is it the way I'm working at, boss, at work uh, and treating my boss? Is it, what is, is it? Is there something I need to stop and change? Huge question. So when we pray for other people, whether it's about a marriage, health, life, death, physical stuff, uh, all of this, God, is this discipline? You know, God loves us enough to discipline us. My, my opinion, totally opinion, from my experience of life, 90% of all relational problems are because someone's choosing to not follow God and to sin. 90% medical, I can prove this statistically, 90% of the medical problems in our country are caused, they are self-inflicted. From the way we eat or don't eat or exercise, don't exercise, everything along those lines. So much of it. So that's a challenge to each of us. As we go back and look over those things. Um, okay, so sickness happens. It's in front of us. We have to ask, is there something I can do to make this better? Is there... Is there something I can institute? If, if you're married, you're in a relationship, it talks about forgiveness, it talks about grace, it talks about focusing it ta- on, the, on the good things, it talks about serving the other person. So change your marriage. And if it takes pain to get to that, well, that's what it takes. If, if physical pain requires us to look at our diets, our exercise, everything that we do, our sleep patterns, all that, we'll do that. If, if, if we're spiritually feeling disconnected from God, ask God to show us what we're doing. Open our hearts and our minds so that, so that he can correct us. So some, some sickness, some pain, some things in our life are on to discipline. And God loves us enough to discipline us. So when we pray for people, don't, again, we get into that danger of praying, well, this is just going to go away because God says it's going to go away. And you give promises and write a check that, that God never initiated. Just be careful and ask careful questions as you go. The last type of sickness, pain, and destruction that can come into our lives, it's to the glory of God. And this is what we all want, by the way. Two sides to it. One we really want and the other one we're not so happy about. Uh, one time Jesus heard that his good friend Lazarus was, was about ready to die and Jesus waited two more days to where he was before he went to Lazarus knowing that those two days would cause Lazarus to be killed or to die of the disease or whatever it was he had and and why did he do that he said well this disease this sickness will not ultimately end in death it happened for the glory of God so that the son of God will receive glory we know most of us know what the story is he eventually goes there. Mary and Martha, the sisters of Lazarus, greet him, and they have a conversation about Lazarus. If you'd just been here, Lord, he wouldn't die. So Jesus knew what he was going to do. In answer to, in, in the center of God's will, he goes to the tomb and says, take the stone away. The sisters say, after four days, he's going to stink. And Jesus says, take it away. Lazarus, come on out here. And he appears. And, and, and the resurrection of Lazarus by the command of Jesus was his powerful influence on those who were watching. Lazarus actually walks with Jesus on the, uh, in the triumphal entry. 
into, into Jerusalem. Didn't I say you'd see God's glory if you believe? The prayer, you know, he was in the center of God's will. It was the time for a resurrection, and that's what he did. Another one, one of my favorite stories, is Peter uh, walking one time uh, in, by the temple. Uh, a lame man was sitting by this temple. Now, there's an interesting thing about this lame guy. If you take, I mean, lame guy in the physical sense, not lame like I'm lame. Uh, but lame guy was sitting there by the temple. He was lame from birth. There's a full adult put out to beg for food for money and stuff like that. Well, what's interesting about that is how many times did Jesus walk by him? As Jesus went in and out of the temple. It wasn't his time. It wasn't his way. It wasn't God's plan. For reasons that we'll never understand why he wasn't healed before, why he, we know why he was lame. For this moment, when Peter walks by and sees him there as he's begging for money, the man looked up uh, eagerly expecting some money. Peter says, don't have silver or gold, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, get up and walk. Takes him by the, the hands and, and pulls him to his feet. The last part of this is one of my favorite he was walking and leaping and praising God as he went out. And then absolutely would be. There's a book by Merle Carruthers who wrote Prison to Praise. One of his best books, he wrote many, is Leaping and Walking and Praising God. Talks about us after our healing in life. So, so this is onto the glory of God. This healing is removed. Uh, Lazarus, come out. Come up and, and get up and walk. You know, these are stories of God doing wonderful things. And actually, this, this summer, in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a, a series. But one of, the, one of the messages in that series is called My Story. Basically, what happened to me. And, and we'll have different people from Crossroads get up and talk about their transformation to Christ. Talk about healings inside their lives. Talk about miracles with their kids and other places inside their lives. So one, one week you're going to come in and just hear stories about what God's done. So, but miracles, where, where God brings these things about. I was just watching one this week. Uh, I've been just, this Greenville revival has just captured my attention. But I, I heard the, the testimony of the guy that's doing, those of you may not know it, in Greenville, Tennessee, there's a revival going on, started like eight weeks ago. He came to speak for two nights, but it's now gone on for two months. Uh, they, he outgrew the church he was in. There's a tent that seats 1,200. They've got all this stuff going on for him. But his story is the greatest miracle story that they can have. He starts out, and, and he starts saying, two years ago, two Years ago, the guy that's leading this revival was saved at a revival. He's a two-year-old Christian. He's barely got his dities off. And, and he's leading a revival, and God is using him powerfully. He says, two years ago, my wife, myself, uh, this is, a, by the way, a, a link that you can go just listen to him. You look at there's nothing. there's nothing about him, but his, his singular characteristic is he loves Jesus Christ, and he tells one simple story. I was a drunk, a drug addict, far from God for 40, over 40 years. My wife was on drugs and alcohol and a stripper. And God saved us. That's his simple story. 
and he preaches. I listened to some of his messages. He preaches Jesus Christ with power and with love. He preaches the cross, none of this fluff and stuff. Here's Christ, and here's my life as testimony. That's the greatest miracle is a transformed life. That's what God does when he turns people around. That's to God's glory. Now, we like that, all pumped. Another way God receives glory is a person isn't healed, but he lives through the difficulty. He lives through the handicap. He lives, he lives through the, the painful marriage. He lives with a rebellious child. The Christian continues to live, trust God, love God, pray that God continues to intervene. But the truth is, this is the reality that he's in. God says to people like that, and this is the apostle Paul is talking about when he had an injury happening to him. Many people believe this is when he was stoned in the biblical sense and uh, went to heaven, came back, but there was, some, there was a, a thorn in his flesh. There was something wrong with him that Satan instilled in him to torment him. He was tormented, and he prayed, God, get rid of this. Not God's will. Just live with it. And Paul comes to understand that it's in that weakness that it keeps him humble before God. So he's thankful living through 20 more years after this incident and this happened to him, he continues to serve God in the pain. And later he says, I've learned how to be content with whatever I have, including a thorn in my flesh. I know how to live with almost nothing or with everything. He learned. And, and James, Jesus' half-brother, tells us, trials, tribulations, pain in our life should cause great joy. If, if, we turn to Christ and let those overcome those by trusting God and allowing character to grow. Some of the most godly people uh, that I know have prayed diligently and continue to love rebellious kids. There's nothing they can do, but they can love them. They can be available. There's always a place at the table when they come back. But they live with the hope of Christ. They don't go off and, and hate their kids and disown their kids and break their plate publicly in front of everybody. That's not what they do. They love them. Even though they're walking in this pain, it brings glory to God. So many times, marriages that I talk to people, that see, one, one mate is just seeking God and loving God in all the pain. There's situations at work where it's totally unfair, and yet the Christian perseveres. And by the way, it's very interesting that the Christian perseveres under persecution and, and not because they're obnoxious, but just because people just want to pick on them. And they turn the other cheek and go on. But I tell you what, when things, when the shamoli hits the fan, they're going to go ask that guy to, to pray for him when things turn to junk. So we can receive glory. God can receive glory by the way we're delivered from evil or how we live through it. This is our God. Now, close with incredibly good news about prayer. Incredibly good news. You see, the Holy Spirit that lives in every Christian helps us in our weakness. For example, if we don't know what God wants us to pray for, clear admission, we can come to God, and it tells us, but the Holy Spirit prays for us. With groanings so deep, we can't even understand the words. 
And what does God look at? God looks at our heart. When we pray for other people, have God's heart. If you don't love them, don't pray for them. If you, if you condemn them because they're a sinner, you forgot that you're a sinner too. Don't pray with arrogance, pride, looking down on people. Pray, because God looks at our heart when, when we pray. And the Spirit uh, will plead for believers in harmony with God's own will. So, so we've got God's Holy Spirit intervening in us as we pray for other people. When we don't know how to pray, just be honest, clueless. God, I just love this person, and I know you have a plan. Thank you that you're moving in your power and your might. And the Holy Spirit, the universal translator, will pray exactly according to God's will. And then God, we know that God will cause everything in their life and our life to work together for good for those who love God and call according to his purposes. There's a promise there in our prayer life that God will intercede, but God is always working for good. We're not going to understand it. Granted that. But God's working. We can pray for other people with humility and with love, but with trust and faith in a God that is on the move. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you that you're God, and we're not. We trust you. We trust your love. We trust your power. We trust your control. We see you moving in the world, doing miracles, healing, saving, transforming people. Lord, we want to be part of that. We want to use the spiritual weapon and power of prayer wisely. We want to love you with our words and our heart. And, but very important, we want to listen to you and for you with our spiritual ears. We thank you that you will continue to listen, to lead, to guide. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.